0: Today on CityCast Denver, it's Paul and Breeze here as well, and we're back for day two of the Casa Bonita saga. (laughs) Yesterday, we heard from Andrew Novick and Danny Newman about their efforts to save Casa Bonita. That was an interview that you conducted back in April, and now we're fast-forwarding through the summer to early October was the next time we did an episode about this whole situation.
1: Yeah, and um, and things happened. A lot of oh, stuff. Boy. Big stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Big stuff happened. So in September, we had learned that the South Park guys, Trey Parker and Matt Stone had sort of swooped in and bought Casa Bonita. And we learned that through a press conference with our governor. If you were wondering the magnitude of this story, it's not us exaggerating how important this was to Colorado. Our governor was involved. <laughs> I mean,
0: this is one of my favorite pieces of tape of the year. I didn't think I was going to have a a mental list like this, but this press conference and especially the moment where the governor gets out of his chair and then there's like one of the three of them says something very high pitched. And it's almost like a screeching noise and it's these three guys hugging so and it's awkward. kind of awkward. And it's just really, really good. It can it's the whole, it's the exact right yeah. energy. Institution
2: And just open ended, you know, what, what can you tell us? Okay. Well, we have something to announce. We have some news. Okay, we ready? have some breaking news. And I don't know. As of sorry. about an hour ago. So I have to qualify this pending bankruptcy mm-hmm. proceedings that, that this all have to happen in a couple of months. We've, we've come to uh, an agreement with the owner and we bought it. Yeah. Congratulations! Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Awesome. <laughs> it's such a great day. It's such a wonderful day. <laughs> we and did
0: it. I, I did not know that going in. That's so what we've been waiting I, on. That's what we mean. knew that we were allowed to ask the question, yeah. but we did yeah.
2: not know. Um, that is so yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. again it has, it has to go through a proper goes, thing,
1: Then that sort of begs the question, Paul. What happened with Andrew and Danny in the Save Costa Bonina group? Like, where are we in the timeline now?
0: Yeah, I, well, I think at this point it was kind of unclear because no one was really talking about it. Um, Andrew and Danny, I think at this point, they had they had bought into the bankruptcy proceedings at some, in some way. Um, so their group, their Save Casa Bonita group, obviously they care a lot about the future of this place and Casa Bonita itself, you know, they were in bankruptcy. They owed a lot of people a lot of money. So if, I think Andrew and Danny's idea was that if, the first thing they needed to do if they were going to save it and maybe possibly buy it themselves was to start paying off those debts and get this business in shape of eventually reopening.
1: Yeah, and I think what I found really admirable about that aspect, too, was I think the buying into the bankruptcy was to do things like pay unpaid invoices for like the mariachi band. I mean, hmm. it was really to try to help the folks on the ground every day type people in the restaurant itself. So they were on the right track for sure. Uh Um, But I mean... But then... You can't beat... I can't imagine you can beat South Park money. I mean... Yeah. Anybody. That just seems like in another stratosphere.
0: Yeah. I mean, the reported figure was, what, $3.1 million? And then there was also... I know Westward reported that there was also some payment for the intellectual property, Mm -hmm. which is maybe even more interesting, especially for those guys. Yeah, because $3 million doesn't
1: seem like very much money. Something else is there we don't know yet.
0: Yet. Well, okay. Here's the other thing about this moment in Casa Bonita's story. This was, I feel like, a real moment of uncertainty. Yes. Like, what are Matt and Trey going to do? Do you remember? Can we go back to that moment when you first heard? How did you feel?
1: (sighs) so scared terrified I mean I don't I don't know them you know it's like with Andrew and Danny I mean I have the privilege of knowing them as people right so my thoughts there and something I'd hoped to convey to others who don't know them personally is like this is in good hands these guys get it they love it they want to preserve it but then with Matt and Trey coming in I was like I don't know them i don't know what they want to do they have a lot of money they also have a vested interest in this in terms of it being a vehicle for their franchise right that's kind of in the underlying fear for folks is like oh god is this just going to become uh south park land you know Mm -hmm. like a tribute to south park and so at this moment i was like i there was just unease like cool it's gonna stay open it sounds like but what is on the horizon
0: and that leads us to our guest Yes, for this episode that people are about to hear. Bree, who is David Thomas?
1: David Thomas is the professor of fun, a legitimate professor that teaches architecture. And he also teaches about what makes things in our world fun, um, which is something kind of intangible and hard to... We experience fun, so you don't think a lot about it. And that's when the fun is best is at its best is when you're not thinking about it. And so we we got this amazing tour. Casa Bonita was offering tours at the time. I don't know if they still are. For everybody, you could go in and go on an official tour, and we went with David, and he explained why it was fun. What makes Costa Bonita fun? And it's very surprising. It's things within the built environment in there. It's It's how it plays with your imagination. And he really breaks down things that you've never thought of, but you've definitely felt. And that's what Mm. I loved about this interview was I can't wait to go back to Casa Bonita to see things now through this picture that uh, the professor of fun gave me of analyzing the fun in a good way.
0: Yeah, I this this was the moment where I think I got invested in this whole thing emotionally. Because his his theory of fun, like that's the kind of thing I connect with. And beforehand, I, like I did not have a nostalgic connection to this place. I was totally. one of those people that was like, yeah, the food, it's like, it sucks. Why would I want to go there? But the way he talks about the food in this interview, that's what shifted my perspective. And that's what got me excited about this whole thing.
1: Yeah, the food part is interesting, which I'm glad you brought up because we will be revisiting that tomorrow. No. Mm-hmm. And what the future is of Casa Bonita's notoriously horrendous food. But in the meantime, you get to hear from the professor of fun about why this place is so fucking fun. <laughs> All right, let's
0: do it. Let's do it. Let's hear it.
1: <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Pine Melon, the farmer's market delivered. best part is Pine Melon offers same day delivery to Denver and soon Boulder within a two hour window, no subscription necessary. Save time in your busy schedule and get fresh and healthy groceries delivered right to your door. Join the movement and support local today. Use promo code CityCastDenver for $75 off your first delivery at pinemelon.com. That's pinemelon.com.
0: Today is Tuesday, December 21st, 2021, and this is part two of the Casa Bonita Saga.
1: Well, David Thomas, welcome to CityCast Denver.
3: Hey, great to be here.
1: So, when I was introduced to you, uh, I met you as the Professor of Fun. What exactly does that title
3: mean? (laughs) It means exactly what you think. Um, I'm a, I'm a professor. I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a part-time thing for me. I work full-time at DU in administration, but at the University of Colorado Denver, I'm a professor of architecture. Um, I teach about one class a year, but my area of research is fun. And um, you know I look at a lot of different parts of fun, but um, you know, the architecture of fun is really one of the things that's most interesting to me. So when I say I'm the professor of fun, I just mean I'm that guy that writes, teaches, and thinks about fun.
1: So do you have like a theoretical framework or a theory of what makes a place fun
3: or? Yeah, you bet. Now, now I got to tell you that, you know, as, as an academic, we love nothing more than creating theoretical frameworks. I mean, that's just fun to do.
1: David says there are three preconditions that must exist for something to be fun. Number one, set outsidedness.
3: And this is easy to understand that, you know, games and play is always set outside from ordinary life. It's, it's kind of like we say we don't like people playing at work.
1: Number two, ludic forms.
3: A, a ludic form is just, it's the structures that we recognize socially or culturally that invite play. So, um, you know, it could be the rules of a game. It could be the board game, the board, the pieces, the dice. Um, it could be the playing field.
1: And number three, ambiguity.
3: It's the idea that when you're at play, meaning is also at play. And so you kind of have to build and negotiate your own meaning. And and it just kind of says, what does a slide mean? It means whatever you, you want. I mean, a slide's ambiguous. It doesn't tell you what to do with it. You can go up the stairs, you can go down the stairs, you can go up this, the slide, down the slide. And anything, I, I've been working on this for a long time, anything you can think of that people would call fun, I can fit into that framework. And I think that the 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 big thing and this is the last big academic thing i'll drop on you is that um we have been rehearsed in our culture to think of aesthetics as beauty and beauty is this thing that's received from up above and you know if you're educated you can understand the beauty of it and and even art galleries tend to be built on the spine of these beautiful objects that you're supposed to absorb play is a sister aesthetic but it's the other side fun is a sister aesthetic to beauty and it says hey what is this crazy thing? Come inside. Help make meaning out of it. This isn't regular life. This isn't black and white. This is, you know, this is the world where you can come up with stuff. And so, hey, why is Willy Wonka one of the patron saints of play? Because he's the world of pure imagination, right? You make meaning. It's not, it's not given to you. It's not beauty. It's, it's fantasy. So um, there you go. You just got an entire college course in about five minutes. So I know it's windy, but there's a lot there.
1: And so the reason I'm setting this all up with having you explain this, this philosophy and framework around fun is we're going to talk about Casa Bonita. Yes. So the South Park guys are buying Casa Bonita. We've learned recently. And I, for one, I know other people may have this worry that they may change some things within it. Um... And I wonder if that will impact the design of what it makes it fun. And so you and I went on this tour last week and I learned a lot from the tour as well as from you that how Casa Bonita is designed to be designed to be fun. So it's not like I was thinking about other things that people would think it was similar to like Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just a building with fun stuff in it. Let's talk about the design of Casa Bonita. What makes it fun?
3: Yeah, boy, that's such an interesting, exciting, and wonderful question. But let me let me take it back to you real quick because I think this is an easy way to think about it. When you think about Casa Bonita, what's the first thing that comes to mind?
1: Oh, the waterfall, probably.
3: The, the waterfall, right, right. So So let's start with the waterfall, right? Now, I always joke with my architecture students, if you want to make a building fun, just put water in it. Because the history of architecture, <laughs> in a certain sense is a system that keeps water on the outside, right? I mean, that's what buildings really Mm – they they serve several purposes, but keeping water out is big. And any architect or engineer or or developer is going to tell you water is the bane of architecture's existence. So just the fact that there's water in the building already is step one towards, hey, this is weird.
2: Um, as I said, that is our lovely 30 foot waterfall. We are the only Mexican restaurant in the world that happens to have an indoor cliff diving show. As you can see, the falls over on the right, that one is made for the look to nice sheen wave. And the one on the left actually has a special utility. It's about twice the flow. Um, and that uh, waterfall on the left is actually made to break the surface tension of the water, believe it or not, just in case you belly flop or if you're coming way from the top.
3: Now, okay, we've all been to the Hilton. We've all seen fountains and waterfalls inside. But when you think about the Casa Bonita waterfall, it's almost as if in that make-believe world, they built the building around the waterfall. I mean there's just no way around it. It doesn't feel like a fountain. It feels like somehow there was this waterfall in Lakewood and then they built this building around it. So – from a, from a just almost like a psychological perspective i think the waterfall is super important to the casa bonita fun because everything else spins around the idea that this is impossible this shouldn't be here this isn't right why is there a waterfall in a building why is it, and so so remember that ambiguity thing i was talking about casa bonita triggers your meaning making constantly because it keeps playing literally playing with your expectations of what architecture space or a restaurant should be
2: and that that is a great question most common question we get the pool is 14 feet deep believe it or not it's specifically designed so you can actually do the acapulco style swan dive um, oh one thing we were talking
1: about on the tour is the ramps there are like seven different levels of seating in there and you get from one to the other with ramps instead of stairs What makes those ramps fun?
3: Most buildings, first of all, we would say are rectilinear, right? I mean, they're right angles. Everything's pretty square. I mean, there's exceptions to that, especially as you get into kind of artsy architecture. But for the most part, our experience of buildings are... Everything's pretty square, and if you want to go from one level to the other, you take an elevator, an escalator, or stairs. So Casa Bonita's ramps, first of all, replace stairs. I mean I think there's only a couple of legitimate staircases in Casa Bonita. Um, but let's also think about those ramps. I don't think there's a straight line in Casa Bonita. I mean you know, I'm probably exaggerating, but those ramps wander and meander, and boy, doesn't that just evoke this sense of discovery and exploration? And I would say again – This is a playful concept, exploration and discovery. It's like if you could see everything in Casa Bonita like it was just all laid out like a a flea market – that would be a lot less fun than the way it's structured where it's layered and, and there's these ramps that curve and you can't ever see anything really directly from one place. So it invites your mind and your body to follow the trails, to see where they go. You, you're like you almost start telling your own story about where you are, or what you're well, doing.
2: All righty, folks, welcome on into our lovely pink plaza. Um, it's uh, otherwise known as the governor's ballroom. That's the official name of it. Not only is it the prettiest room in Casa Benita, it is also the most acoustic room in Casa Benita as well. Um, what I like to do just to test out the special acoustics of this room is I count uno, dos, tres. And on tres, everybody gives me their very best. Yee-haw! You think you guys can do it? Yeah. Alright, I believe in you. You guys ready? Uno, dos, tres. Well, congratulations, you guys are officially famous. You are allowed to buy the sheriff badges from the gift shop now. And now it's just a
3: blast. With- I mean, you kind of almost wish that you could just run around in there with your friends and play like Nerf darts or, or hide-and-go-seek or, you know, it's like, I mean, I know that people think about this because the space itself is filled with these Ludic forms, and it's set outside from ordinary life, and it's ambiguous, and so it invites you to think about how much fun it would be to play in there. So the ramps are great.
1: Yeah, and I think that it doesn't get the respect it deserves in that sense, and that it's this really intricately designed space for you to have an experience that you almost don't even know that you're having. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's some, you're touching on something that I find hard to explain to folks who've maybe never been there or are not allowing themselves to have fun.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, you've really nailed it, which is it's so well done that people can miss it. Yes. But they don't miss it. And like, let's, we got to talk about the food, right?
1: Yes. (laughs) That's kind of what I was getting to was like, that's the thing that people complain about. But there's this other thing that's going on.
3: Yeah, so you know, when, when I talk to people I always say like, you know, name another restaurant that's been around for almost 50 years that the first thing you say about it is the food's terrible. <laughs> so what is the food operating? The the, the food is this challenge because because Casablanca is remarkable, it has transcended its own cuisine. Yes. But because people think of the food as terrible, it triggers irony, right? This is that hipster Mm. irony that we're so familiar with, which is it's like it's cool to like Casa Bonita in spite of the food. But I think that that's actually completely backwards in the worst way of a kind of hipster philosophy, which is instead of saying it's cool to like Casa Bonita because the food's bad, it's to say Casa Bonita is remarkable in spite of the food. And in fact, to the degree that it doesn't matter if Parker and Stone buy Casa Bonita and improve the food, it won't make Casa Bonita better. Cassavity doesn't need better food. I'm not saying it would be bad with better food. I'm not saying it wouldn't be more fun with a a better bar. But I'm saying it wouldn't change what you're talking about, which is that – what I think of as this impossibility machine that brings you into an impossible place, asks you to tell your own stories and supports it at every turn so that when you leave, the last thing you think about is the food. In fact, I think most people are like, that was actually more fun than I thought it would be.
2: Usually red flags are a bad thing, right, folks? But at Casa Bonita, they're a good thing. If you want more sopapillas, more drinks, more food and stuff like that, we got our lovely red flags on the table. You raise one of those and the server will be over to you quickly. Something
1: else that I want to talk about because we're talking about the food is this line at the beginning. Like you wait in a line to get into Casa Bonita, which I always thought of as like this cafeteria experience sort of. But when we were there on this tour... Um I think you made the point that it's like a it's like a ride queue. Can you talk about what the what role does this line play in like creating the f- the fun?
3: Well, I mean, I think the line for Castamere really starts in the parking lot, right? Cuz there's this giant pink building which is just so out of place, you know. It's, <laughs> you know, when I talk about, you know, this this ludic form as an invitation to play, what could be more of an invitation to play than hey, I'm this giant building stuck in a mall. And you go through these big heavy doors and you can kind of get a sense there's something in front of you, but you take a hard left and, and the space starts to compress. You're given lots of kind of like, hey, you're in old Mexico kind of – and then you know, I, I don't know if it's by design or by accident. But a lot of times you're just waiting in line, right? And so as much as people hate lines, lines serve a purpose of creating anticipation. And if you've ever been to an amusement park like Disneyland and for some weird reason the lines are short – It's fun for a little bit, but it loses something. It's like it's almost like when it's too easy to get the hit – It loses something. It's kind of like the gambling thing. It's like, you know, winning is fun, but but losing makes winning more fun. Uh,
2: The the line itself is modeled to be sort of photorealistic of Guadalajara, Mexico. Um, As you can tell, this line you guys usually have to be waiting quite a bit of time on, especially on the weekends. If you ever want to come in and kind of get the restaurant a little bit more to yourself, so you come in in the wintertime during the day, and uh, it's usually a little bit less crowded, goes a little bit quicker and stuff like
3: that. So I think that the Casa Bonita line works exactly like a Disneyland ride which is it helps bring you into the place. It brings all your expectations into this really tight kind of frame where you're kind of like, by the time you get your food, you may almost be wondering, why are we even here? And then you follow this curved tunnel up the ramp, and then it opens up, and it is like the curtain comes back, and all of a sudden, you're excited. You're like, wow.
2: Welcome into Casa Bonita, folks. The very best uh, palm trees in all of Colfax and the only 30 foot waterfall in all of Colfax as well. Pretty good spot.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And then learning on a tour that it was an old Jocelyn's, which was an old department store, I'm like, um, how? How? Like, this is almost like a portal, like you were saying, like, it feels like they built around a waterfall and it's almost like this. Yeah, you're in an, you're in another world. David Thomas, thank you so much for joining me. This has been fantastic.
3: Thanks for being interested in this. It's so much fun to talk about.
2: <laughs> we'll also open up the floor right now if you guys got any questions. Well, so what have you heard about? purchase by uh, Matt Stone. I'm not allowed to discuss that at this current moment. I would There's say check kinds
0: the- of questions.
2: Yep no and that's a good question of course I'm just not currently allowed to speak about that.
0: Hello again Paul here for a quick note about that last question. The voice you just heard belongs to Westward editor Patty Calhoun. She helped us organize the tour and the interview with David Thomas and she wrote up her own version of the story that same week that this episode initially came out. I'll drop a link to that story in the show notes for this episode. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with the next chapter, the thrilling finale of the Casa Bonita Saga, Change Nothing, Improve Everything. Bye. We've got some fun year-in-review stuff planned for the newsletter next week, so definitely subscribe now and and, and get get your listicle on. Boo. <laughs>